Okay, this is an honest question. Can you understand what I'm saying? Because if you can't, then I can just not. Yeah? Okay, I'm going to do my best. Pretend that I'm from a foreign country, and you get like every third word, and then you're, you're satisfied with that. You know, <laughs> the accent's so thick you can't even understand it. Okay, let's see what happens. I want to address two questions in particular, because if we don't address these two questions, and this is just a preamble, if we don't understand these two questions, then we don't understand what Jesus is going to do in the gospel, or what he's trying to tell us, right? And the two questions uh, are essentially two very difficult passages for us. Maybe, maybe just for me, that's okay. Maybe someone out there also has trouble with these. And they're this. When the servant says, I knew you to be a demanding person, and then he seems to ratify that statement, right? that's troubling to me. And then on the other hand, you have the master say, from the one who has little, take what he has and give it to the one who has more. For the one who has much, he will have more and grow rich. And the one who has little, even what he has will be taken away. Now, those to me are problematic. I don't like them. I don't know if you're like me or not. But I, I don't like those statements. So let's go right head on into them and figure out what's happening, okay? So the one, the servant says, Master, I knew you to be a demanding person. You know what's interesting about that line is that only the third servant says that. The first two don't. They don't say that at all. They seem to hear a different message from the master. They have a different notion of who he is. He's not a hard taskmaster to them. He's one who has literally, as it says in the gospel, entrusted his possessions to them. Hard taskmastering, taskmasters, slave drivers, don't entrust things to people. They demand things of them. And the first two servants here instead, a friend, a companion, an owner, a, a boss, yes. Someone who is a Lord and Savior, yes. But not a demanding slave driver. This Jesus entrusts his possessions to them. And they behave in a very, very different way. And they receive a very, very different response from him. So the problem is the perception. Right? Have you ever thought, judged in your heart, have you, ever, have you ever thought someone to be a jerk? I bet if you have, they were a jerk. I bet they proved to be a jerk. If you said in your heart, you are a jerk, then everything you do to me, I'm going to interpret through the lens of you being a jerk. You're going you're gonna to fulfill my judgment of you. Does that make sense? So this servant who says, I knew you to be a demanding taskmaster, guess what? In the end, he seemed to prove to be true. So the question becomes for us, how do we see Jesus? How do we know the Lord and Savior? Is he a person of love? If he is, if he entrusts his heart to you, then you will behave like the first two servants. And if he is a demanding taskmaster, you will grow to hate him. 
and you will never follow him. The question becomes, how do you interpret him? There is a right way. (laughs) I wouldn't be here if there wasn't. Neither would you. Okay, now the other question. He says, the one who has more, he will grow rich. And the one who has little, even what he has will be taken away. Doesn't that just seem rude? Right? That's just, that's just wrong. It's mean. Now, let's be clear. Jesus is not sanctioning draconian capitalism. He's not about money. He doesn't care about money. If you need money, go fishing, and he'll take two coins from a fish's mouth. Right? He doesn't care about money. That's not what he's about. The church is not about the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer. In fact, today, actually, is the very first inaugural day of the poor. Pope Francis named today, this Sunday, the first day of the poor, where the rich actually help those who have not. You know, that's what the church is about. But let's take this line seriously. So, okay, it's not about money, but isn't this just the way that life works? Isn't this just how life works, right? For example, I am a terrible artist. I cannot draw to save my life. I can draw a tree that looks like a tree, which that's, that's great. Uh, I once in fourth grade, I drew a coyote that I was really proud of. My teacher thought it was a laughing hyena, which for me was a success because it's a four-legged mammal. So like, you're at least in the ballpark. So I don't draw. This is not my profession. I would be begging outside of this church for money as you walk in if I tried to make a profession out of, out of art, right? I, so I never exercise that. If you were to ask me to draw something for you, it would be embarrassingly imbecile. <laughs> in fact, when I was in fourth grade, I had my two-year younger sister, my second-grade sister, do all of my artwork. It's, it's my, fourth, my fourth-grade artwork, which is just kind of silly, right? I mean, it's like motor skills, you know, like a second grader doing fourth grade art, and it was better than anything I could have done. So I had this very little talent for art. I never exercised it, and it just went away, right? I'm terrible at drawing. I just don't do it. But someone who has that gift of art, they practice, they study, they engage that gift, and they get better and better and better. So the one who has the gift, even more will be given. And to the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Isn't this just how life works? It's not as mean as we think it is. Okay, let's talk about another pitfall. Now that we've addressed those two, let's go right to the heart of what he's saying here. Okay, and it goes like this. Maybe, again, maybe this is just me. But I I bet you there's at least one other that does this. So we have a little basket, right? And God the Father, who knows us infinitely, who created us and designed us, gives to each a blessing. And he says, I'm going to give her a gift of intelligence, also a beautiful singing voice. And I'm going to give him athletic ability and uh, a nice sociable personality. And I'm going to give him uh, a good disposition and the gift of prophecy and the gift of tongues. It's a real gift, right? I'm going to give him the gift of working, you know, and so on and so forth. And God gives these gifts, 
and he gives me my gifts, and I do this. Right? Do you do that? It's like, well, how come I don't have a good singing voice? How come I'm terrible at art? Why didn't you give me the gift of prophecy? Do you see the problem? It's very simple. It's a very simple solution. It's very hard to do. Do you know what we call this? It goes by the word of jealousy. You ever confess jealousy in the confessional? This is what you're confessing. Well, how come she gets that and I don't? God, how come you're doing good to her and not me? So the solution, it's very simple, but it's very important. Instead of worrying about what God is not doing for you, looking at everybody else's little baskets, right? Instead of looking at what God has done for them and being mad at what he's not doing for you, look at what he is doing and be thankful. I can promise you, if you spend your time worrying about what God is not doing for you, I can promise you 100% of the time, you will be angry. You will not be happy. You will be jealous. Either you're glad that you got more of that than she did, or you'd be jealous that he got more of it than you. It never, there's no win in that game. You do not win that game. You lose every time. So as long as we just keep our eyes on what God is not doing for us, 100% of the time, we will be angry. And 100% of the time, if we, if we look at what he is doing for us, we will be thankful and grateful. Yeah, I'm a terrible artist, but I have the gift of wisdom. Thank you, God. I didn't earn that. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for that and so on and so forth, right? You see that? It's a very simple solution, but it is the key to life, I promise you. Your life will change if you can learn how to practice that. Okay, now that we have our baskets full of whatever blessings God wishes to give us, what do we do with it? That's the question, isn't it? Let me quote St. Paul. This comes from the second letter to the Corinthians, chapter nine, verse six, if you're writing it down. He says this, those who sow sparingly will reap sparingly. And those who sow abundantly will reap abundantly. Right? You hear that? So the principle in the spiritual life is this. You get in direct proportion to what you're willing to give. It works every time. It takes risk on our part, right? It takes risk. We must risk Failure, to give and exercise, we may fail, but not with Jesus, okay? You have to risk failure, but it will always prove true for you that you get in proportion to what you give. It works every time. This homily is full of guarantees. <laughs> I'll give you guarantee after guarantee. You want another one? What if, what if the guy with five talents only gave two, he's only gonna get two back, right? Or the guy with two talents only gave one, he's only gonna get one. We must give, right? That's how we're built. That's how we're made. We're meant to give. 
it's not hard. And then it is hard. <laughs> it's really hard. Focus on what God is doing for you. Because if you have gone through Benedictine Colleges, Strength Finders, like BCLS, this, that's the purpose of Strength Finders. You focus on what he's doing and you exercise those. You put your time and your energy there. And life is so much better for you than if you worry about what you don't have, the talents you're not given. Okay, now let's say you invest them all. Be honest with yourself. The times that you've invested those gifts, are they not the happiest times in your life? Because in your basket of blessings, I can promise you this. Here's another guarantee. Write it down. Father Simon said, whatever is in your basket, whatever blessing God has given you, I can promise you, you have not earned and you do not deserve it. You didn't earn it. You didn't merit it. You didn't acquire it. It was given to you, right? You exercised it and got better at it, but it was given to you. Latent at birth, maybe, but it was given to you. Which means if it was given to you and you didn't earn it, it was given for one purpose, and that's to give. We fail in this so often. So often we fail. Here's why it's deadly for us. Have you ever been to the Dead Sea? Wait, nobody, Dead Sea. Okay, a couple. Have, have you ever read about the Dead Sea? Maybe some hands will go up. All right. The Dead Sea is in the Holy Land. It's just south. It, so the Jordan River flows from north to south, and it goes from north into the Sea of Galilee, and then it keeps flowing south. And the Dead Sea is the lowest place on earth that you can walk to. So it's below sea level, but you can, it's, it's on land. You can walk to it. It's the lowest place on earth. So what happens is, is the water flows from north to south, flows into the Dead Sea, and as it flows, a lot of tributaries come in, and as it flows, it washes the minerals around the sea into the sea itself. Right? So it's washing a bunch of minerals in the sea. But it's so low that it, do, it never gives off any water. It, never, it doesn't distribute any water. The only way it gets rid of water is by evaporation. And so the water evaporates, and you get a higher and higher concentration of minerals, and especially salt, in the Dead Sea. In fact, it's 11 times saltier and more concentrated than the ocean. It's really fun to swim in. You, like, you bob like a bobber, like fishing, you know? Um, be, be wary, though, men. Do not shave before you go in. It will burn like crazy. Women, watch your legs. There's a lot of screaming women in the Dead Sea. They didn't think of that before they went in. So it's fun, it's painful, but it's fun. But it's so, it's so mineral rich that it can't support life. It's dead, that's why they call it the Dead Sea. It's dead, it's so rich it's dead. Guess what? We are in danger of that reality, are we not? We are in danger of becoming so spiritually and yes, even materially rich if we never give what we've been given, we are in danger of becoming dead. It's fun for a while. Then it stings, and then it doesn't support life. It's just how we're built. We're meant to receive and then give. Don't take my word for it. Do it. 
And then in the doing, you will find yourself happy. 93% of the reason, if you are sad or depressed, 93% of the reason, trust me, it's a fact. Don't check it. Don't look it up. It's science. Just trust me. 93% of the reason that you are sad is because you are not giving what you have been given. You're not doing enough to give back. Right? Let's give back. Let's give what we have been given. Okay, lastly, do not wait on this. Don't wait until you graduate. If you are smart, don't wait till you graduate to become an intelligent teacher. Do it now. If If you have been given the gift of evangelization, don't wait to become a missionary. Do it now. Evangelize your roommate or the one down the hall. Invite him to Mass. Ask him to confession. Talk about Jesus. If you have the gift of prophecy, use it now. Don't wait for the opportune time. Right now, don't wait. Tithing, you've heard that word before, haven't you? Yeah, we don't like to give. (laughs) That's just who we are. Tithing is about giving 10% of your income. Now imagine the guy in the gospel Five-talent guy gives 10%. That's a half a talent. All we're asking for is just 10%, right? And you must tithe. That's, a, that's part of being a part of the church. 5% to the church, 5% to the charity of your choice. Now, disclaimer, I don't care where you give this money. I'm not asking you to support Benedictine College Ministry. I don't care if you support the Mount. I don't care if you give money to the Abbey. I don't care where you give your money. I do care that you give it because I don't want you to become the Dead Sea. Don't wait until you have a a well-paying job. The widow with two mites didn't. She put him in there. If you got three bucks, give 10% of $3, right? God doesn't care about money. He cares about your generosity. He cares about your heart. He cares about your life. Don't wait. Do it now. Also, go on a mission trip, right? Go Do a spring break mission trip. Do a summer mission trip. Here's, here's a, we, we have tons of opportunities for you to give back. It's a plethora of opportunities. I'm thinking, I was thinking recently that there's about 1,800 students at Benedictine. About 12 to 1,300 go to Mass on a weekend. Maybe about seven, six, seven of those are, um, are really intentionally trying to grow in their faith, trying to become saints. Really, really want that. Or, or at least interested. Maybe not trying. You're like on the verge, you know. You're about to fall over the stairs. You, you're almost there. And maybe like three to four hundred, I would say, two, probably about three hundred, are active leaders, spiritual leaders in the faith on this campus, faith leaders, right? You come to Mass, great. Don't ask the question, what can I come to receive? Ask the question, how can I come to give with this, right? Proclaim the word of God. Be a lector. Be a Eucharistic minister. If you have a good voice, sing in a choir. We want to rejoice in the gift God has given to you. Use it now. Be an usher. I don't care how you use it. Just 
do it. Just give. It's the way we're built. It's how we'll be happy. Okay, lastly, I know I said that like three times. This is really the lastly. For a guy who can't speak, I've been speaking a lot. I'm sorry. This is the final thing. You can't give what you don't have, which is why you are a mass to receive the Lord of life, to receive the divine sustenance for this life that carries you into the next, to receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord. Receive that well now. So then when you get the commission at the end of Mass, when we kick you out and say, go and announce the gospel of the Lord, when we say, go and glorify the Lord by your lives, you'll have the strength and the grace to do just that. 